Hello and welcome to the Nirvana Principle Show. I'm your host, Dr. Malik. I'm a psychiatrist and electronic musician based in the northwest of England. The Nirvana Principle Show is a space to discuss psychological concepts and how they affect your everyday life. We discuss everything from psychedelics to philosophy. There's a wide range of topics we could start with for our first show on melodic distraction, but today I thought we would start with money. With me here in the studio is a fellow psychiatrist and good friend. Thanks for having me, mate. Hi, his name is Dr. Idris Janadu. You want to say hi? Hello, everyone. Yeah, like Hassan said, um, I'm Dr. Idris Janadu. I'm a psychiatry doctor. I work in the Northwest. Um, my specialty is in child and adolescent psychiatry. However, I have a personal interest in the relationship between what we're going to talk about. Money and behavior. Yeah, man. So we think that that's something that's close to all of us. That's something that affects our everyday life. We're going to talk about how money came to be integrated into our biology. Definitely. We're going to talk about money and happiness. We're not economists. We're not going to tell you which stocks to buy. But uh, by the end of this, you will definitely have a different perspective on money and psychology. Stay tuned.
Welcome back to the Nirvana Principles show. I'm Dr. Malik and today we're talking about money and behavior. The historian Yuval Noah Harari, who's an Israeli historian, you might know him by uh, a book he wrote called Sapiens. So he thought that humans are unique because they can tell stories, they can have abstract concepts. He was talking more about religion and how we are the only species on the planet who you can convince of something that they've never seen that is not tangible he was talking more about how religions are propagated and why these concepts are so important i think this concept can also be applied to money and how we can have that level of cognition we can have that level of thinking where we can understand that a piece of paper holds a value which is not the value of the paper itself mm. so it's not how much fire you can burn with it it has a certain denomination it represents a mode of um mode of transaction it's a way of accounting things so i think that how how we've evolved in the species money began about like 3000 years ago according to some research yeah and in that time this is a recent development human beings have evolved from hunter gatherers who hunt for as you would imagine probably a gazelle skipping around yeah um with a nice sharp spear but now you're armed perhaps with a degree or some experience and a cv Mm. and you're looking to provide for yourself and your family definitely instinctual drives as human beings are like i mentioned before to feed yourself nutrition and also to procreate how is that how does that relate to money well you know money has become so important in our lives you know in the human race like earlier i mentioned that no matter who you are or where you're from or what you believe in at some point you'll care about money and you care about your health and the reason why is because money has taken center stage it's become a tool to exist um to put this into perspective someone you might all know is um Abraham Maslow the Russian American who wrote in the psychology review Russian American that's that's new i thought it was one or the other <laughs> <laughs> apparently he's both yeah so he made um for i'm sure maybe some of you guys uh, have heard um it he made a fancy pyramid mm. or a triangle and you go between what your needs are your deficiency needs that you need to be fulfilled to be human to exist and then beyond those basic four you have another growth needs which allow you to transcend higher so i think there are eight total idris that's right and if you think about it hasan the dis- deficiency needs that ibrahim maslow spoke about mm-hmm. are things that you absolutely need to okay. exist you know things like physiological needs you need to be healthy and if you think about it um most people who seek out a doctor mm mm-hmm. do it because they're going through some kind of pain either mm-hmm. physical pain yeah or psychological pain yeah when you're in that situation you would do whatever it takes to get yourself out of that situation 
he spoke about the our need for safety mm-hmm. you know we all want to be safe we all want to sleep and wake up knowing that wherever we take as our shelter is a safe space you know abraham maslow talked about other needs that you absolutely need to exist things like our need for food our need for water shelter our need for shelter mm mm-hmm. so those four main things are now interlinked with money so much so that you have to think about money at some point in your life okay just to just to meet those basic the base of the pyramid or the triangle just to exist okay so that some some money has been around like we're talking about relatively recent in our evolutionary history when we are thinking about things like food or or procreation we have certain biological responses to it and there's certain neurochemicals or neurotransmitters in our brain which reward us for for achieving those things and yeah. that's your basic drive so although you need food to survive but how does your brain know that you need food to survive yeah so every time you eat you have that nice burger with fries <laughs> and um or um you know you have sex so although sex in itself as far as your brain is concerned the desire there is pleasurable because that's your biological drive to procreate yeah to pass on your seed your dna the neurochemical that's involved in those drives the ones i mentioned the pleasure hormone or pleasure neurotransmitter is everyone's favorite dopamine 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 is is arguably the most um, important chemical in our brain mm-hmm. you know it's involved in motivation and by the way abraham maslow's hierarchy of needs is based on motivation when you're hungry you're motivated naturally to go and look for something to eat mm-hmm. if you're cold you're motivated naturally to look for something warm yeah so dopamine is intertwined with motivation okay it's also involved in our thoughts about pleasure like you said mm-hmm. you know it's involved with the way we think the way we plan so you can imagine a hormone that's involved in motivation thinking planning mm-hmm. sounds like someone who's looking to make a fortune <laughs> so i i can see that um so earning money or let's say the drive to earn money can easily be translated in the modern day to an instinctual drive of course especially especially in people who have not met their basic needs you know mm-hmm. so sometimes we we um are able to realize that the people who commit crime mm-hmm. don't do so because of greed mm-hmm. sometimes is out of necessity yeah yeah okay um so that's so, so we have like a picture of someone who's desperate to find shelter food or um hopefully you don't pay their medical bills yeah yeah pay their medical bills and this person needs money to do these things mm-hmm. and the instinctual drive the very basic drive of motivation their dopamine goes all the way up mm-hmm. and you do anything whatever it takes to make sure that you satisfy this basic need Yeah so if you if you give someone if you give someone money it involves the same response as when you give them an addictive drug um dopamine is also released with cocaine 
um, heroin, a, a lot, a lot of these, um, a lot of these addictive drugs, these pleasurable drugs, yeah. also release dopamine. If you give someone something nice to eat or drink, again, dopamine is released. If you hand someone money, they're not. There's nothing going in your body. No. There's nothing which you are biologically responding to. It is completely abstract and completely, in your mind. Completely. So if I were to give Idris a twenty-pound note right now, he would have a nice dopamine spike. Yeah. Even though that piece of paper in itself does not provide anything physically to your body, no. it is the symbol what it represents. Yeah. And that dopamine spike that you speak of. It will depend largely on how much I needed that twenty pound. The anticipation. Mm. If I hadn't eaten that day, Hassan, and you gave me a twenty pound note, the amount of dopamine that will come in my brain from that kind gesture mm-hmm. will be different from if you know I'd had three square meals that day, I'd paid my rent, you mm-hmm. know, I had heating in my house. Mm-hmm. So yeah, money and dopamine, money and dopamine. Mm-hmm. Are significantly intertwined. There have been studies where they've um, they've also seen our more evolved responses to money in different ways. It's kind of painful, or it makes you cringe a bit if you see money being destroyed. Mm. Um, there was this study where they gave the participants some chocolate and yeah. they said, "Okay, buddy, have our you know lady have some chocolate and." How long was it pleasurable for you? And they said, "Okay, let's say forty-five seconds, forty seconds." Then they made them, they gave them the chocolate again, and this time they made them watch a video of someone tearing up money. And they said, "How much? How long did the pleasure last?" It reduced substantially, down to like maybe thirty seconds, twenty-five seconds. Yeah. Again, even though you have something physical which is giving you dopamine, yeah. simply seeing some that valuable thing being destroyed on an abstract level yeah. is reduces your pleasure. Yeah. On the flip side, if you're told something is expensive, it tastes better. <laughs> That's the media. That mm-hmm. is definitely the media. Mm-hmm. But it's also perception and how we perceive things. Mm. Whether it's our own. Um, whether it's how we grew up and our own personality for lack of a better word yeah or whether it is something which is quote unquote indoctrinated in us that we should like this you know yeah, yeah. even it even works with pain so if you so they did another um study i feel like i'm quoting a lot of studies today uh, <laughs> but um so there is a branded i ibuprofen That's right. like um, um, what we call an analgesic or painkiller. Yeah. And so, if you give someone a branded version, I'm not going to say the brand, um, but it's more expensive. It looks nicer. It's flashier. It costs more. Is the exact same thing as that generic thing that that yeah. that you might buy. But because it's perceived and it does cost more, people yeah. report that the headache or the painkilling properties of that is increased. Yeah. Again, I, th- I think that's that's really the work of the media. Um, placebo, placebo effects. Mm-hmm. You know, when when you're made to feel like something is more important because it's more expensive, without hard facts. And keep in mind, we prefer stories to facts. Yeah. When someone tells us a story about how something is better, and because it's better, it's more expensive, mm-hmm. automatically. 
we're going to think the one that's cheaper mm-hmm. is less effective. People like to go to expensive restaurants to mm-hmm. get food. Mm-hmm. And that food may not necessarily be better food. Yeah. But because it's more expensive. Yeah, so you you're more likely to eat less and be satisfied with less if you're paying more for it. So I'm oh. not I'm I'm not suggesting that you just play you just pay exorbitant amounts so that you <laughs> eat less um but but generally if you are paying more for for food you go to a fancy restaurant the food might well be good but because it's a fancy restaurant and you're paying more yeah biologically psychologically you will enjoy it you will derive more pleasure from it simply on that basis isn't it crazy how our mind works how complex we are Yeah, uh, I I think um that's part of the reason why we chose this as part of our life and we both thought that being a psychiatrist would be a good idea. It's a great idea. We 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 talked we talked about the biology of money basically and how it's evolved with our responses. Yeah. And we talked about why we have these instinctive drives as human beings, as very basic animals and how that's come to be incorporated with money. Yeah. uh we dodged the conspiracy theory bullet uh, <laughs> you want to put you want to put me in trouble bro, on the radio <laughs> you want me to say something on the radio no yeah i mean um you're here to share your story <laughs> yeah and i think um i have another friend who has quite an interesting story to share yeah you might know him too his name's uh allo black allo black allo black hello from allo we're going to go and listen to Mr. Black's story and we'll come back and we're going to talk about whether that drive to to obtain shelter can translate into the upper part of Maslow's hierarchy and can we talk about whether achieving that money will actually make us happier Stay tuned Dollar, dollar, dollar is what I need. Hey, hey, said I need 
talking about money and behavior and we've talked about how instinctual drives affect our pursuit of money yeah does earning more money make you happier or as the age old question goes can money buy happiness the answer to that question i i reckon is it depends it depends on quite a number of things mm-hmm. um the first thing is have your basic needs as a human being been met again bringing it back to abraham maslow okay if you've not eaten and then you get enough money to buy food money has brought you happiness and i think to paint the picture on whether money can buy you happiness um let me tell you a story i'm from a place called lagos nigeria um a lot of you probably have heard of nigeria lagos <laughs> yeah and In Lagos, Nigeria, healthcare is expensive, you know. There's no free healthcare like like you have in the UK. And as a result of that, money has a significantly higher effect on a person's sense of well-being compared to someone who has access to free healthcare, you know. So if say I'm struggling with a kind of illness and I was in Lagos, Nigeria. What I need to do is figure out a way to make money mm-hmm. so I can get cured of my illness. Mm-hmm. And in that regard, if I didn't have money and somehow I came into more money, money has brought me happiness. Okay, so you're saying it's situational? it is situational as opposed to someone who's in the UK mm-hmm. who has access to free healthcare anyway yeah the effect of money may be less mm okay yeah because one of their basic needs as a human being okay is free all right so you're happy and healthy is that it yeah i, <laughs> I am happy and healthy and Yeah, is where you've come to the UK and you know your um certain restraints on your money are not there certain expenses basically are not there. 
Yes. Your um if you have you do not have the fear that just because you have or the anxiety that just because you don't have a certain number in your account yeah. you or a loved one might suffer as a result of that. Yeah. And um my partner is actually American and and sometimes we have this conversation about about um, the differences in the UK and America. Mm-hmm. And in America it's possible that for the job you're doing in the UK you'd probably earn more money. But you also have to pay for healthcare. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the UK you may not earn as much as you'd earn. I mean, we're doctors, we know the differences in how mm-hmm. much our colleagues in the US are earning versus how much we're earning, mm-hmm. you know. Um I have mates that work in the US and and they make sure that I'm very <laughs> well, you peasant. <laughs> make sure that I'm aware that I'm not earning as much as them, you know. But I think a good price to earn mm-hmm. less mm-hmm. is to have access to free healthcare because it's not just for when you're ill. Mm-hmm. It's the times between wellness, knowing at the back of your mind that like you say if I become unwell, mm-hmm. I know that I'll be all right eventually. Okay so what I'm hearing is that your and money can provide you happiness depending on what's deficient and right. if those deficiencies are already being met then perhaps the money in itself may not provide that sense of security or contentment that it should that it should yeah you were speaking about being someone who wasn't who isn't from the UK originally yeah um, myself I've been in the UK about 3 years so I came here to work as a doctor right the pay rise was substantial i'm i'm happy to say yet once the first 6 months and where i was earning the, the the most i have in basically in my whole life until that point in time there was probably a more difficult for time for me than any other time as well mm. although there was money in the bank and i'm like okay i'm being rewarded for my services i've worked hard to get here yet i have no yet i have no friends I don't have a social life there's you know there's um less to do beyond work and beyond earning money I'm not really doing anything with my life I wasn't DJing I wasn't doing any projects like I am now yeah so I I I feel that I can agree that there's once your n- needs are met it doesn't necessarily mean that just having more money or having more numbers to see in your bank account will objectively make you feel better Yeah, I mean, there was one time you were talking to me about that study mm. um by this gerontologist. I forget right now. So, yeah, that's a that's a good memory. So there's this book by Mr. Carl Pilmer. Yeah, that's the one. And he had he wrote a book called 30 Lessons for Living. And he's a um he specializes in in aging and how that changes uh, our our life, our cognition, the way we think. He interviewed thousands of Americans and he asked all of them that okay what important life lessons have we learned from all of your all of your time being alive yeah what did they say again not not a single one not one said that to be happy you should try to make more money <laughs> not one said that is important to be as wealthy as someone you know um not one not a single person said you should choose your work based on how much you think it'll make you earn in the future. It makes you think, doesn't it? Because there's a whole lot of people who who think that the more money you have, the happier you're going to be. And who better to ask 
if that is true than people who've existed mm-hmm. for so many decades of their lives mm-hmm. you know? and 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 when you think about it people who have done studies on what makes us happy a lot of them speak about things such as you know the relationships we have doing a meaningful job mm-hmm. having time to spend with your partner and i'm sure if you read that book by that gentleman who's a gerontologist mm-hmm. there'll be similar themes in there that you know it's the experiences that we have mm-hmm. it's the memories that we have mm-hmm. and to be fair some of our memories are, are are facilitated by money but to think in in such um concrete terms that money equates happiness is is not seen the the full picture is it there's a gentleman called Easterlin right. and he has a paradox named after him it's called the <laughs> Easterlin paradox Yo, which that's is goals man i yeah. really really want the paradox to be named after me as well yeah i mean that's a cool album name too Easterlin paradox featuring yeah. janadu good to go so he um so he made a generalization based on how much money you earn and how happy you are and it was multinational yeah and the findings or his theory or uh, was that you earn the the more you earn the happier you get up right. to a point okay it's not a linear graph it's not directly proportional that 10000 i'm i'm okay 20000 <laughs> i feel better 50000 i'm happy 1 million oh my god ecstasy no it's um it it plateaus off mm and uh there are different studies who put in a number some some say that it's like $50,000 a year some say 75 yeah. so uh, again this is a generalization yeah but it, this this in this individual was not a psychologist or was not a sociologist yet they did try to quantify it mm. they tried to quantify is there a magic number that you should ask next time you're in a job interview it's like okay i want 75k because i've heard that's the magic number <laughs> that's what makes me happy if only we were that simple yes. if only human beings were that simple <laughs> no i i do agree that after a certain point and i keep bringing it to our hierarchy of needs after a certain point when your basic needs have been met mm. it is possible i mean if you've got food three square meals a day you've got a house where you can either pay your rent or pay your mortgage or maybe you even lucky enough to have bought out your house you live in a safe neighborhood where you're not scared that you're going to get robbed and you're reasonably healthy mm-hmm. your basic needs have been met it is possible that at that point you earning more money doesn't make you more happy so i do agree with that study however i don't agree with putting a number on the amount of money that makes one individual happy and another individual unhappy what should you spend money on or what can money not buy um well one of the things we've already established is that to an extent money can't buy happiness mm-hmm. um money can buy you resilience you yeah, what, what do you mean resilience Um what I mean is we live in a world that is uncontrollable. Mm-hmm. The only thing we have control over is ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um there's a Time magazine article where 
they tried to talk about the um, link between resilience and happiness and it found that the more resilient you are the happier you are um when life throws its numerous problems at you you know you have for example maybe um you're driving a car and you get a flat tire mm-hmm. or your car has a problem mm-hmm. the amount of money you have available to you can dictate how much that situation affects you yeah um mr campbell wrote a book in 1981 called the sense of well-being in america and his solution for happiness was simple he said having a strong sense of controlling one's life mm. is a more dependable predictor of positive feelings of well-being than any of the objective conditions of life i don't know who that is but that is a legend because i wholly agree with that to put it maybe oversimplified than the objective or materialistic things that you can get yeah. perhaps a bigger screen tv is not the answer to life's problems no, it's not about the amount of money or the things you can do with money mm. once you've gotten to that point it's about like you say control over your life mm. independence freedom all the good stuff all the good stuff elizabeth dunn well regarded researcher she said that you should spend money on experiences not products you were mentioning being able to go on holiday yeah and how dopamine power of it is also the anticipation of it exactly so let's say you've booked your holiday everyone knows that as soon as, as you get closer to the date you get more excited so you enjoy the build up yeah so um what miss dun suggests is that that is what you should spend money on you should spend it on sounds like cliche advice but sounds better if someone's researched it <laughs> um that you should spend it on experiences mm. not objects or not products yeah yeah it, i mean it's true that some products lead to experiences mm. you know um for example what's going on right now it wouldn't be able to happen if we didn't get some products but these products such as this mic and this roadcaster pro mm-hmm. and your laptop and all this stuff we're using to make this happen is creating an experience that I'm going to remember for some time is creating a memory mm. so it's true that we should chase experiences but it's also true that some of those experiences that we chase yeah are linked to things yeah i i think perhaps what the word i used before was product um money can also be a tool mm. it is a means of achieving things is a means of making things easier yeah you we can't project our voice over the airwaves <laughs> uh, <laughs> wish i could um but we but we can buy certain tools yeah. which allow us to express ourselves move from the bottom half to the top half of the pyramid yeah into the good stuff at the top is self actualization enjoyment enjoyment we've we've talked about money and happiness yeah how certain behavior is can lead to contentment can lead to resilience yeah is there a magic number that you should earn or ask at your job interview because that is there we don't think there's an there's a magic definitely number definitely not and definitely not our view is that money is basically a a tool that allows you to have control over your life and that in itself having that 
independence or freedom is what provides us with a sense of well-being yeah and speaking of control and speaking of well-being i think in the next segment hasan it'll be useful to touch on how a little bit of discipline mm-hmm. can make us happier people For 
bring yourself. Would there be people who can get money? Welcome back to the Nirvana Principles show. Yeah. We're in our final segment. We've talked about the neurobiology of money and its humble beginnings and incorporation into our existence. Yeah. We've talked about money and happiness as well as a uh, hierarchy of needs. There's so much information around the internet around the world address about how to improve your finances how there's, how, there's loads me um, loads there's a bunch of professional stock analysts whether they are someone who has a youtube channel <laughs> or someone who is um i don't know who has a degree yeah how much can they really predict how much can they really bring about lasting change that will make that will that will give us the contentment and happiness and security that we seek yeah. from money you said a whole lot of things that beg the question why isn't everyone rich we've got all this knowledge we've got all these stock analysts and all these people telling us what to do with our money based on data and all these things so why isn't everyone rich and you know let me tell you a bit about stock analysts these guys they sit in their office they wear suits drink tea and they say all these fancy things like oh you should put 10% of your money here and 10% of your money here you know my mom says it, that she's like then save 10% or whatever <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry if you, is your mom a stock analyst bro no no, no okay she's i don't really a, like stock analysts okay. you know? okay. <laughs> they tell you to invest you know, none of them predicted covid no single stock analyst in this world hmm. no one we live in a world where you have to be humble enough to realize that while you can control yourself mm-hmm. you cannot control the world around you Yeah so that that sounds a bit like something which we study about um, yeah. called the cognitive triad exactly um made by, it's called Beck's cognitive triad it's by Aaron Beck who's a very celebrated figure in psychology and psychiatry yeah so there's a triangle and the triangle consists of pretty much what we are talking about it consists of the future yeah which we cannot predict yeah it consists of the world around us which let's face it we don't have much control over <laughs> nope and the third and final and perhaps most important aspect of this is self so if it's a connected triangle to break that cycle to bring about change to see to change how we perceive things and hence change how we feel about them yeah the only real thing you and i or anyone listening can control or change is is themselves is themselves that's the that's the one thing you have control over i'm a fan of the stoics and the reason why i'm a fan of the stoics is that they're all about action not just back and forth debate mm-hmm. so 
Roman emperor and philosopher Marcus Aurelius who is stoic mm-hmm. he said we should discipline ourselves in small things and from these progress to things of greater value so how that relates to money would be that discipline is what separates the men from the boys of course discipline is what separate people that are happy with their money and mm-hmm. people that are not well one of the things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. let me say this a different way for you to be physically fit mm-hmm. there has to be some degree of consistency in there okay no four hours once a week no and it's been established i mean you can check loads of research that have been done mm-hmm. that you're better off doing little bits of exercise consistently yeah. mm-hmm. than t- doing large amounts of exercise at once or inconsistently so it's better to save money of a fixed consistent amount of course and by the way i was just talking about exercise right now if you don't do any exercise for the <laughs> love of god please get up and do something walk around your house walk around the block just do something and do it consistently then you build from there it's been shown that you're better off starting that way than try to pay for a gym membership that you're not going to stick to do something small do something consistently and that is the approach i reckon to take with money as well mm-hmm. you know we 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 hear people telling you to save money and, and their approach is all wrong they tell you to save certain amounts of money when the approach should be the way a stoic would look at it mm. your own self your own behavior yeah your discipline and you build off on that build off on that consistency build off on that ability to set a goal and stick to it whether or not it's pleasant to stick to because you're able to delay your gratification so it sounds like what you're saying is that being rich is a habit yeah yeah and um you know we've been talking about Abraham Maslow mm-hmm. and his hierarchy of needs yeah. for um huge proportions of this show yeah so we talked about like perfect being uh needs that are born of deficiency or yeah. the basics like we were saying and then there's growth needs yeah so you are healthy you have some money in the bank yeah where does this pyramid go how do you reach the zenith how do you reach the peak what do you do once you reach there so when you've reached that point where everything is sorted out mm. you're happy and by happy i don't mean elated or euphoric mm. you know i mean content okay so more serotonin rather than dopamine <laughs> yeah you know you're content with where you are and what you're doing yeah the next step to reach in transcendence to reach in self actualization yeah is to share that happiness to involve yourself in volunteering mm-hmm. to involve yourself in charity because now what you're doing is you're not just happy mm-hmm. you're potentially taking away someone's psychological pain mm-hmm. or you're making them happy so once you have enough you give to others you should give to others and loads of studies would 
tell you that one of the most satisfying things you can do is mm -hmm. volunteer. Do something for someone who cannot or will not pay you back for that thing you do for them. There are studies that have shown that we are more likely to spend money on loved ones. We find happiness in giving charity. Yeah. A study by um, by the Americans, the Americans. Um, I want, you know, I just wondered if that's why men tend to spend all their money on women. Yeah. Women are more likely to be generous. Oh. I'm not sure, but if you're a lady and uh, want to maybe buy some nice psychiatrist, some lunch or dinner, we would be more than happy, but but, uh, but good on you. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's quite interesting, isn't mm. it? Mm. It's quite interesting. Yeah. So they gave participants in the study uh, either five pounds, or, sorry, either five dollars or twenty dollars. Yeah. And they had to spend that money the same day by like, you know, five the same day. Yeah. Some of the participants were given where the task was to spend the money on themselves. Okay. And for the other half was to spend money on someone else. So people who spent money on themselves, they bought like food, they bought some trinkets for themselves. Uh, those who spent it on others, like, you know, bought them like, like maybe a toy or for a kid or something like that. Yeah. They then um, checked their mood. They checked it, you, you know, through a questionnaire or scale. How did they rate their mood? So they found that those who had spent the money, it was still free money. You were, you're still happy. You're still getting that dopamine spike from the bill someone handed yeah. it to you. Yeah. And you're spending it as well. But those who spent it on others were reported feeling much better, much happier, much better in mood. Of course they did. It's, it's um, basic human nature. I think it goes really deep to the fact that at the end of the day, we're all connected anyway. We all share one consciousness. Um, anyway, I'm worried of making this <laughs> too deep. N next podcast, we go into <laughs> the state of consciousness and cosmos. Um, yeah. We do have some cool stuff coming up as well, though. Okay, so we've talked about the cognitive triad and how we are the only thing that we can change. Yeah. We borrowed a page from the Stoics and we realized that discipline begins with ourselves. Of course. And small changes lead to big changes. Like like I just said, if you're disciplined with your money, mm. you're going to find it easier to find the behavior, to find the consistency, to find the control required for you to be disciplined with your exercise. Yeah, I agree on that because we are in this show and I guess as psychiatrists we agree that it's the temptation is biologically the same yeah the need for instant gratification remains whether it's to avoid that kebab <laughs> whether it's to avoid splurging money when you shouldn't it, it comes back to this being a drive and you are addicted to instant gratification you do want that dopamine hit and it's human and it's natural yeah However, consciously you can change that and you can enjoy the habit now. Yeah, yeah. As it does, we can still retrain our brain. We can still change it. We can still... That's the whole concept of, of psychotherapy, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> That's the whole concept of psychotherapy. It all starts with the mind and retraining the mind. Mm -hmm. Think a different way, act a different way, be a different way. Or maybe you've already known all these things and this just reinforced your perspectives. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is, we're hoping is a positive perspective. <laughs> yeah, and we're hoping you let us know 
uh, did you find this episode useful um did you enjoy your company were we annoying <laughs> <laughs> maybe you bro <laughs> oh okay i see how this is going end of the show and the real idris starts coming out no. <laughs> i see how this is no more use for me yeah let us know let's yes let's know what we can improve on you yeah so you can find us on on twitter at it's at, at nirvana principle as well as on instagram with the same handle that's and that's nirvana and the principal is p r i n c i p l e um we would love to hear from you this is a new project and melodic distraction have been kind enough to uh support mental health and support these concepts for the next episode i'm i'm happy to share that it's going to be on maternal mental health thank you very much idris for coming on the show sharing your thoughts taking your time out it's been nice to be here man Yeah, I had a lot of fun. I feel like I learned a lot today. <laughs> same here, same here. We leave you with two gentlemen from the local scene. Uh one of them is called Tom Mish. The other one is Michael Kivanuka. And we hope to see you soon. Until next time. See ya.
surprise We fight when money tries To ruin everything Pain in disguise Money can't cover up the lies I need true love tonight Oh money lies It's no surprise We fight when money tries To ruin everything Pain in disguise Money can cause a man to cry